Hi, my name is Christy, and this podcast is my pursuit to glean practical wisdom on femininity, homemaking, finances, and relationships from the God-fearing women in my life. Hope you enjoy this journey with me as we learn to smile at the future. Now let's dive right in. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to another episode If you have a comment or a suggestion for a topic, I would love to hear about it. And you can send those to smilingatthefuturepodcast at gmail.com. The episode this week is carrying over the theme of finances that we started a couple weeks ago, and we will be exploring grocery shopping, investments, and savings goals. The special guest today is a lady that I've learned much from, although we've never met in person. I met Kelly Ann Smith through her YouTube channel called Freedom in a Budget and have loved her down-to-earth videos on finances. I would encourage you to head over to her channel after listening to this podcast for more inspiration on this topic. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on here today and to share a little bit with the listeners about a topic that is useful for everyone, and that's the topic of finances. I found out about you through YouTube. It was a suggested video when I was browsing on topics about finances, and some of your videos popped up, and I've been following you for, I think, close to a year now. Learned a lot from your videos. I think I checked, and you had like over 700 videos on YouTube now. Does that sound right? Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) And you have a a blog, Instagram, where you share encouragement, inspiration, knowledge, everything that you're learning and sharing with others to inspire them to take control of their finances. I think it's a really helpful topic and I'm excited to dive in because I feel like single women can learn a lot and really take control of their finances now in life and it'll set them up well for the seasons to come. Can you share a little bit about yourself and how you first got really interested in the world of finances and taking charge of your money and being a wise steward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thank you for having me. This is so much fun. I love chatting finances and anything money related and really relate a lot to a lot of single ladies. And it's, you know, it's a passion of mine. So I have not always been good with money. I've had my car repossessed. I've had my student loans in default. I've had my lights turned off, my power turned off. I ate pasta, butter noodles every single night for dinner for over two years. One, because I love me some carbs. And two, because it is ridiculously cheap. It was what I had to do to survive. And, you know, I just thought it was normal. I never learned about money growing up. I never, you know, had someone to teach me about money. My mom passed away when I was 16. Those conversations would, you know, kind of start to happen. And my dad didn't know anything about that stuff. So then I moved to Florida, 1500 miles away and started my own life and got deep in debt. And it was, it was scary. So I learned about money and I found Dave Ramsey and he completely changed my life. And now I share about it on the internet. So many people have similar stories to me where they didn't have someone in their life to teach them about money and didn't have, you know, whether their school, their parents or not, whoever, they didn't have someone to. Well, not to be harsh, but it's the 21st century. The internet's out there. 
you know, videos are out there, books are out there, blogs, podcasts, all that stuff. I want to be one of those voices to help people, to teach people, to be relatable that you can turn your life around. And as scary as it is, there was times where I didn't even answer my front door because I thought someone was going to come and take my cats away because my loans were in default, even though my cats and my loans had no correlation. (laughs) But I was just so like, I had no knowledge about money and how it all worked and how, you know, it was scary. So I want to teach people and be that light for people that you can get out. There is hope. You can start winning with money and have a totally different life. Like if I think back to where I was five years ago to now, I would have laughed at you. Like no way would I have thought I would be where I am now. That's really encouraging and inspiring. And I'm just going to give your YouTube channel a quick plug here. It's called Freedom in a Budget. You have all kinds of videos there, everything from investing to meal planning and shopping to, I don't know, just how to deal with getting a pay cut or saving up for expensive things. So you, you cover a lot of topics. I encourage everyone to go check that out and watch some of your videos. And I'll say it for you, subscribe <laughs> to the channel. I want to start off just with a fun question to start the ball rolling here. The question is, what is something you wish you had purchased as a single person before getting married? Or on the flip side, what did you purchase that you were really thankful that you took into married life? Honestly, FPU. And, you know, Dave Ramsey is the one that got me started on my financial journey. And now it's kind of awkward, but... I just did a video this week on why I don't follow Dave Ramsey anymore. So not currently following him, but I personally think that if you are, you know, wanting to get your money in order, even if you're not, you know, deep in debt and living paycheck to paycheck, but you have some debt that you want to get out. I think Dave Ramsey is an awesome resource to educate yourself about money, to learn about it, to, you know, just to get that financial movement going. Yeah. And for those who don't know, FPU is Financial Peace University, and that's Dave Ramsey's curriculum. He has lots of resources online. And that, and I would, you know, invest in books and invest in, you know, literature and just learning, learning about yourself, learning about growth mindset, learning about how to, I don't know, get to know yourself better. That's something that I wish I did more of before marriage. It's something that I learned as I got married. And I realized that. I didn't know myself as well as I thought I did. And when I got married, I was like, oh, yep, I didn't realize I did that. Yep, I didn't realize that was an issue. And it was it was important, a tough lesson I had to learn, but it's something that so many women I think go through and they just kind of push it to the wayside of learning about themselves and counseling and all of that. It's a taboo subject, but I think it's important. So that was like three things. <laughs> no, that's helpful just knowing your spending habits and being able to have control of your finances, budget well, understanding that whole area of life so that you go into the next season, not a wreck in that area. And you feel like you have something to even offer, you know, as far as maybe even a savings. It's really interesting. When we went to our premarital counseling, we, you know, talked about all different subjects. One of the topics was finances. I told the counselor and I was like, oh, we, we can just, you know, breeze over this. We're debt free. We're cash flowing the wedding and we can just, you know, it's going to be fine. We both have really good jobs. Like we're, we're doing, I have a personal finance YouTube channel. Like I know money, like it's, it's, we're, we're good. 
And so we kind of talked about it. We were like, okay, okay. Talked about it for like 20 minutes and then moved on. I really regret that. I wish that we had gone in and dug in, you know, like they typically do. And even asking questions like, how did your family handle money growing up? How do you handle money growing up? Because my husband and I, we came from totally different households. My family, we lived paycheck to paycheck. We qualified for free lunches at school. We survived. We, you know, had a house over our house, you know, our head the whole time and food on, on our stomachs and whatnot. But his family was a little bit more wealthy and had more money when he wanted something, he would just buy it. That wasn't the case for us. We didn't go out to eat. We didn't do that stuff. And if we did go out to eat, it was a really big treat. Whereas him, it was just normal life. So when we got married, I was questioning, why are you doing this? Why are you going out to eat? Why are you like, and he was like, cause that's what I do. Like, what do you mean? Why am I going out to eat? And so I would question every single penny. There was a lot of money fights. Yeah. To the point for our probably first six months of marriage, anytime money was even remotely brought up, it turned into a fight. That's something that I totally didn't expect to happen because we were debt free. And, you know, so many people think that even if your money is in order, that you're not going to fight in marriage about it, but that, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, that's good to, good to hear this side of <laughs> marriage. Can you share a little bit about for saving money and goals in that area? Just for single people in general, you know, this is the time in life when we might have more money and more time to save and think about the future. That's kind of a broad question, but what tips would you give to single women in general for saving and what goals should they set in that area? I really recommend, you know, really getting your finances in order with tithing, with saving, with all of that coming up with a good nest egg of, you know, whether it be sinking funds where it's for a specific purpose, whether it be for a new car, for a house, for a down payment, for a wedding, for whatever it is, you know, just general savings of just having that nest egg of coming into a relationship or marriage, or whatever, with good 10 grand or whatever it is, or 2000 or $500, whatever it is, but just having those, you know, a little bit of savings and building those habits now. A lot of people, when they get married, they're like, oh, two incomes, no kids, we're balling, and it is spend, spend, spend. But if you create those savings muscles beforehand, that's just going to expedite your how fast you can build wealth afterwards. You know, Then you're able to focus on your marriage and your relationship versus only focusing on money. You can do a lot of fun things with your money and you know, take a lot of trips and you know, bless a lot of people with it. It's, it's really fun, but having that, that savings. And I tell my single friends, like, even if you're not dating, even like, if you want to get married one day, start saving for a wedding. Like it sounds weird. It sounds creepy, but think about it like on the reverse end. So if you were dating some guy and he was like, Oh yeah, by the way, I have 10 grand saved for a wedding. Like, I'm sorry, what? We we got 10 grand to work with. Okay. We can, we can go over here. Think of like how cool that would be or blessing if that would be, you know, if you didn't have debt and you had, you know, an extra five grand or whatever, just laying around for the wedding. Like, I don't know. That's my personal opinion. I wish I started saving for a lot sooner. That's my biggest piece of advice for single ladies. One thing that I've learned a lot is how bad I am at meal planning and shopping. And as I've this year, I've really tried to set goals and budgets for grocery store shopping trips. And I actually started shopping at Aldi's more from 
your video, we have one like half a mile from my house. Really amazing. Yeah, I just realized I thought it was something that wouldn't be that hard and tricky to figure out. But the more I realized, okay, I don't want to eat the same dish all week long for all of my lunches. You know, I want to have variety or maybe I can do it, but I don't want to subject a future family to eating the same thing all week. You know, I want to have variety in the food and keep under a budget. Can you talk a little bit about like what things you would encourage women to do to be smart in their grocery? And I think even to eating out is a huge way that young people, single people spend time together. It adds up a lot. And so I know for me, that's, that's a struggle as well as to cook more from home. And so I know some, from some of your videos too, that you had, you did that, you would take your food to work and and not eat out and not spend. And you saved a ton of money that way. So yeah, I actually made a a course on saving money on groceries. I made it during quarantine. It was my let's let's stay occupied and keep our mental health in order and not go crazy during quarantine. So I made a course, a lot of tips. So meal planning is huge. Uh, Meal prepping is huge. And one of my biggest tips for not getting bored with your groceries, with your meal planning. Because I, when I was meal prepping for work, I'm not working in the office anymore. But before when I was, I was eating, I would meal prep on Sundays, make one big meal for the whole week. And then by Friday, oh Lord, I was so sick of it. But I ate it because I was being frugal and wanting to not throw it away. But by the end of the week, I dreaded it. But I had the discipline. And to me, you also have to think about your why and your goals. So to me, at the end of the day, my goals were bigger than that lunch. In all honesty, it probably took me 10 minutes, 15 minutes to eat my lunch. Well, as I wore through lunch, I can get through those 10, 15 minutes of something that I really don't want to eat because I have bigger goals and I can put that money to something else. So when I would like not want to eat it, when I would dread it, when my coworkers would be bringing an Italian or really yummy food and I could smell it with their takeout, I'd be like, yeah, they just dropped 15, $20 on that overpriced lasagna or pizza, whatever it was. I can eat my $2 chicken that I pressed on Sunday and put the rest of that to my goals. Week after week after week, I'm going to be saving thousands of dollars. And that kept me motivated. One thing that I've learned to do to help spice things up is I would find recipes that have similar ingredients, but totally different flavors. So for instance, meatballs. So you could have a meatball sub, that's going to be one flavor. And then you can do something like a, like a stroganoff with a meatball. That's a totally different flavor. Or if you have leftover tortillas, you can do a chicken Caesar wrap with one, and then you can do enchiladas with another. So totally different flavors, but using the same ingredients so they don't go bad. And then that's reducing food waste. And then also it's one less ingredient that you have to buy or two less or however many. So really trying to get creative in those. And I actually have a seven-day meal plan that I can have for you guys that breaks down. It's a full meal plan, seven days with all the recipes and has rolling over ingredients. It has a meal plan, recipe cards, and shopping list. So everything is all there for you guys. So that's a really you know easy way to do it. And then shopping from your pantry. So when you're going to make your meal plan, going through your freezer, going through your pantry, your fridge, what can I eat from here? Like what can, what do I have? What ingredients? And then building the meal plan off of that and trying to figure out what we can do from there. Lastly, shopping from your pantry and freezer. Before quarantine, I would go to Aldi every single weekend. 
without doubt, because that's what you do. You have to go to grocery shopping for the week. Well, quarantine hit and I was like, I don't want to go to the store. I live in South Florida. It's a hot zone down here. Like, I don't want to go out there. I went three weeks from shopping for my freezer and my pantry. And I was like, how do I have three weeks of groceries? But I did like week after week. I was like, you know what? No, I still have chicken left over there. I still have meatballs. I still have, you know, chicken thighs and different things in the freezer and the pantry that I was able to go that long. And I would have never thought that I could go that long. So I came up with a pantry challenge where if I can go four weeks without going to the grocery store, now they don't have to be consecutive, but four weeks, then I get a prize. So it may be a manicure. It may be an, a shirt, you know, on Amazon or something like that, or whatever it is, it could be free. It could be paid. It could be whatever it is, but that's something to motivate you to like, be like, all right, let's go a little bit further. What, what can we do? Let's, let's cook in the pantry this week. Totally. And we all have pretty well-stocked pantries and we just kind of things sit in there for years without us finding a recipe for it. And I remember one thing that stuck with me that you said in one of your videos was only go to the grocery store once per week. And I'm shocked at how many times, like when I started paying attention, I'm like, I'm going to the grocery store like three times a week on average to pick up ingredients for different things. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on what I'm craving and not what I have. I think there has to be a shift of, yes, you can eat food that's good, but there has to be a balance of, you can't just eat solely based on what you feel like eating all the time, because that is so expensive. Find what you have. And then one thing I did this year, and it helped a lot, is I started each month picking an herb or a spice to experiment with. And I would learn about it. And yeah, it was so fun because I was trying new recipes, but it did liven up what would be plain dishes. And you know, spices aren't too expensive. You could get just like a thing of paprika and that'll last you for a long time. So there's ways to be creative and fun with food without buying 20 new ingredients for every dinner you're making. No, that's really, really good advice and plug for all these. I keep wanting to take a picture of my receipts from there. I come home, I show my mom like, mom, I only paid 12 bucks and look at what I got. I have a couple of videos that we can link of how to shop at Aldi because I, when I first went there, I walked out. I was like, I don't like this. I don't understand it. I couldn't, I remember I couldn't find the spinach for weeks. And I was like, and then I saw someone that had spinach and I was like, where did you get that? (laughs) And it was just in a different area than I expected. I was like, oh, okay. Now there's, there's spinach. We got different kinds of spinach. Okay. But there's definitely tricks that you need to know beforehand like paying the quarter for a cart, the bags and all of that. Yeah. But you know, that's how they keep their costs down is by not having all the bells and whistles of like a Vons or another fancy grocery store. I think too, it's really helpful to know the average cost of things. If you don't know how much a good, you know, a bell pepper should cost or, you know, any other produce item, you're going to overspend because you're not going to know what to look for. And or like the cost per pound of something. In my course, I have a printable that's a cost comparison sheet where you can write down the item and then at this store, it's this cost per ounce or this cost per unit, this store, this store. And then you can see like, okay, these items I buy at Aldi. These items I buy at Costco. These items I buy at Walmart because this is the cheapest price. It's really important to know, you know, how much each 
each item is so that you know if you're getting a good deal or not. And that that's what really shocked me. I'm like, I don't know as much as I thought I did about shop- grocery shopping when I felt like I couldn't tell you how much I should spend for a pound of grapes. And we typically buy like the same 30 ingredients on average. I think I heard that. Yeah, you should know know the 30 ingredients you're buying and what to pay for them. Another question for you. What are negative financial habits that you see among single women? Are there things you would tell women, steer clear of these things? These are kind of across the board, just some bad habits that uh, women have with money. I think the biggest one is not tracking your spending. And so many people, you know, single married, anyone really, any adult really, that, you know, they kind of do it in their head and they're like, yeah, I kind of make this much and I spend this much and it's fine. And honestly, you know, that I was like that for years as well until I started really getting hardcore budgeting. Then when I started doing a zero-based budget, that's when it clicked for me. And I honestly felt like I got a $200 a month raise when I started tracking all of my spending. Because when you're doing it, like you'll have... I always had $200 left over at the end of the month. I don't know why $200, but then something would always come up, whether it be a Target run, a Marshall sale, you know, whatever it may be, home goods or, you know, something with the car, whatever it was. For some reason, that $200 just got spent because I wasn't being intentional. When you're intentional with it, and the biggest thing is tracking all of your spending throughout the month. That's going to sound really intimidating at first. But if you're doing it every couple of days and not just log into our bank accounts and do it, it takes me five, 10 minutes max. It's going to take you just a couple of minutes and then you're going to be able to keep track throughout the month. So if you're in week three and you can see, oh crap, we're going over budget in groceries, we can pull back. We can have a pantry challenge, but if you wait till the end of the month, it's too late. You already blew it. You blew the budget and you're like, well, oh, well, we'll try again next month. And it's going to take you an hour to track all your expenses. You're going to be pissed. You're going to be like, why is Kelly telling me to do this? I don't like this. And you're going to get frustrated and quit. So having that, and then also at the end of the month, finalizing it, all of your money coming in, all of your money going out, and then what's left over. If you're in the red and we got to make some cuts for next month and we got to figure things out, we got to find ways to increase your income. And if you're in the green and you have money left over, what is that money going to? Is it going to debt? Is it going to savings? Is it going to investing? Every single penny has to have a name. Every single penny needs to have a job. And that's what puts you in control of your money versus your money in control of you. And then you can really start hitting those goals. And it's amazing how fast you can hit those goals when you're throwing all that extra money towards them. Like that's how we cash flowed our wedding. That's how we cash flowed my car and paid off debt. It's bought a house, like just that same principle. If you can apply it to your single life and then carry it on to marriage. And so many people think that they start, you know, budging when they get more money. No, start now. Our income has grown over a hundred thousand dollars since we started budgeting. And I budget the exact same way. It's just with bigger numbers, but the principle, the way that I do it is the exact same way. You don't realize the, the little purchases, how they add up. So when you're tracking it, I did that. I I have um, a mint account and I started tracking how much I was spending at Starbucks. I don't go to Starbucks anymore. (laughs) When you see it, like, because you can look at your past year expenditures in one category, it'll blow your mind when you don't realize how like $5 here and there a few times a week adds up over a year. 
highly recommend that as well. I, it'll be helpful to know where your money is going. And it's cool to see it on the other end too. Like if you're paying off debt in your, when I was paying off my student loans, like I would just make extra payments, $20, $30 here, you know, $15, $7, like little payments as I got them to like, so the money was gone. I couldn't spend on anything else. And it was so cool to see the interest going down, the interest that I'd be saving. And now that we're paying our mortgage off, we've already shaved off over a year on our mortgage and we just hit our year anniversary. Like it's crazy. Those little extra payments, they add up really quick and you can save so much money on interest. And that's motivating to me because I'm a numbers person. Another topic I want to hit with you is investing. I am a newbie in this world. And so I guess one of the first questions is how much money do you need to have to even start thinking about investing? And if someone's never done it before, what are like the top three things you would tell them to focus on? First is education. Start learning about investing. Start learning about investing even before you're ready to invest. I always, you know, was like, I'm going to pay off my debt, then I'm going to start investing. And I waited until I was ready to start investing to learn about investing. But then I was like, there's so much I need to learn. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. And I had to like take an extra whatever months to start learning about it. So start now, start researching it, start watching videos, reading books, podcasts. I, you know, teach investing, especially for women. Like I don't niche down to only talk about investing for women, but I want to be that female voice for people because when I started learning about investing, I would listen to these men talk not to be sexist, but these guys talk about investing and be like, that is so over my head. You're using terms that I don't understand. And so I've made it my goal to break it down in simple, super simple terms that if I understand it, I can explain it. And I don't teach anything that I don't understand myself. So just start educating yourself. And then, you know, just start with simple things. Start with your 401k match and IRA. There's so many awesome apps like M1 Finance, Robinhood, that you can get started with as low as Robinhood. You only need a dollar to start. M1 Finance, $100 minimum. Like so many easy, easy apps that you can do to start investing. And, you know, if you don't understand stocks or different things and what that is, then ETFs are awesome. ETFs are just like index funds where they're the total market. So you're diversified, dividend returns. So you're getting money back each each month or quarter. There's so many simple ways that you can start, you know, making a little bit difference. And then as you grow in your education, you can grow into more advanced investing. There's actually a Bible verse. I read it today and I'm like, oh, that that's very much uh, an investing Bible verse. It comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse two, it's give a portion to seven or even to eight for, you know, not what disaster may happen on earth. I just thought that was interesting how it was, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. You don't know what could happen. Diversify, I think is the key word there. So you don't have to have a thousand dollars to start investing. You can start little and like you said, like an app on your phone, come familiar with the terms, how it works, watch Kelly's videos. And why is it important to invest? Like what's the the goal is to grow your money, to be a better steward. Yeah. What, what benefit has, have you had from that in your own life? Investing, to be honest, it's, and there's different types of investing as well. You know, typically when we hear investing, we think of the stock market, 
And we think of Wall Street and, you know, those people that are yelling out numbers and it's just crazy chaos. But there's also real estate investing and, you know, investing in yourself. There's so many different forms of investing. But investing is really going to be the best way to grow your income, you know, the best return on your money. If you have your money in debt, if you're, you know, you're going to have a negative interest rate, you're going to be owing interest on it. If you have your money in a savings account or a checking account, you're going to be earning very little on it. If you have it in the market, there is potential for loss, but there's also potential for gain. If you're looking long-term, you know, the next 30 years, if you're starting now and you're not going to be retiring for 30, 40 years, chances are the market's going to grow. On average, it's growing about 7%, 7 to 9%. So that's huge, you know, and I like to think of it, the more money that I have, the more money I can give. You know, my husband and I, we're big givers and, you know, we have a lot of passion for a lot of different types of ministries. It's been so cool to see how our income has grown, even over the three years that we've been married and the different ministries that we've been in a part of the, you know, children that we sponsor, the missionaries in Argentina that we support and different, you know, different things that we've been able to do help with IVF treatments and different things like that. Because our wealth has grown, we're able to, to give more you know, we're not slave to the lender. We don't, you know, have that guilt of debt over us, but we're able to have the peace that financial freedom gives so that we can be generous and we don't have that burden, that stress on our life, that financial stress that so many people have. So then we can focus on other things, other, you know, ministries, other callings that we have because we don't have that burden. And honestly, investing I believe is the, is the best way to, to grow your wealth and to grow your income. When I do our, our monthly net worth updates, every single month, I'm like, no, these numbers are wrong. We brought in this much. We put this much to savings. We put this much to investing. Our net worth should be this much, but it's like 30% more. Where, where are the numbers? And I'm like, oh, that's our portfolio that grew. Okay, okay. Like it's exciting. Now we are in a, you know, an upping market right now. The market's doing really well right now. So it could go down, but you know, it's fun to see it grow different ways like that. There's so many Bible verses that talk about investing, that talk about being good stewards. Like you said, not being a slave to the lender. There's a verse in Romans 13. Oh, no one, anything except to love each other. And that just sounds like what you were talking about. You, you're not a slave to debt but you're able to love others and be generous with, with other people. As a Christian, how has that impacted how you view money? Just in practical ways, like you said, you're able to tithe, to be generous, but just viewing it as coming from the Lord and being a steward, I guess. So a couple things on tithing. I grew up always tithing. There was one time in my life when I wasn't tithing, and that was the one time that my car is repossessed and my, you know, life was in financial ruin. And then as soon as I started tithing again, things started to work itself out and, you know, different opportunities came to me. I had to work for them, but different side hustles came into my life. I was a nanny at one point on top of my full-time job where I was working like 20 hours nannying for a family and making really, really good money because they were pretty wealthy. <laughs> But that helped to pay off my student loans and that helped, you know, so it's like, it was cool that when I was obedient to God with my finances and giving him the first fruit, because it's his money regardless, 
he gave me other opportunities to make more money. And like, yes, it sucked. Yes. I was up till one o'clock in the morning, babysitting at times when I wanted to be at home watching Netflix or hanging out with friends, there was sacrifice, but God provided the opportunity. I really think that it's a trust thing. You know, I'm very black and white with, with scripture, you know, God tells me to do it. I don't question it. I just say, okay, that's your word. And so I personally don't have a problem with tithing. Like it's just black and white to me, like two plus two is four. You tithe. Okay. That's how it is. And I know a lot of people and I counsel a lot of people that are like, yeah, I'll start tithing when, and I'm like, okay, but if you believe in God's promises, if you believe in, in the word and you know, you have that relationship with Jesus, you need to have that trust. Number one, it's his money to begin with. And how much are you trusting him in it? You know, are you saying that he can't provide in other ways? So you're saying that he can't, to me, it's a trust thing. One thing, which it's a really sad story, but seven years ago, I had a cat that at Sunday school, we were talking about being good stewards of our money. That afternoon, I went home after church and my cat was very ill. And I didn't think he was going to make it. So we brought him to the emergency vet. It was a Sunday. So then there was emergency vet costs, all that stuff. Turns out that it was $1,800 for a surgery for him. I thought they were just going to put a catheter in, pump him out, all that stuff. He'd be fine. Like $200. No, $1,800 surgery. They said that even with that, it wouldn't guarantee a fix. We could have another problem in six months and then another $1,800, whatever. I didn't have that money. I had like $500 to my name. They said, oh, we have a credit thing that you can have, we can do through the vet. Do you want to apply for that? Sure. This was before Dave Ramsey. So I tried to apply that. Denied. My best friend's dad was a vet. And so, but up in Massachusetts. And so I called him and he was like, well, you know, I agree with what they said. It's, a, you know, the correct prognosis, but no guarantees, blah, blah, blah. And then God was just telling me like, you have to be a good student of your money. As much as you love your cat, it's a cat, it's not a child, it's a pet. It was heartbreaking, but I had to be a good steward and I had to make that decision to, to put him down and, you know, with how much he was suffering and the surgery. And it was, it was heartbreaking, but it was a really big lesson for me. And it was a wake up call for me. And I was like, all right, you're gonna have kids one day. Even though this was way before we were married, way before dating anyone, I don't know why I'm telling that story, but you know, it was, it was a big wake up call. It's easy to, to grab credit cards or especially when it's something that tugs on your heartstrings. We grew up in a family, we had a lot of pets, but my dad, there was no way that we could afford to go to a vet. And so we would just doctor our own pets. If they got better, that was fine. If they didn't, that we had a little pet graveyard in the back. <laughs> I grew up in a family where my parents trusted the Lord for a lot of things one of seven kids. And my dad was a pastor of a small church. And my parents they had three kids. And then five years later, they were trying to decide to have more children. And so they just prayed and asked God, they said, Lord, you know, we have some of these bills that we need to pay, but we would like to have more children, but we don't know if this is what you want us to do. We can't afford more children, basically. So they prayed and, and God miraculously sent uh, a check to cover the bills that week that they had. And so they just took that as a sign to, to move ahead. And my parents, you know, always say like, it's, you can never afford to have kids, but you just trust the Lord through that process too. And he gives children. And I think tithing is so crucial because the Lord is the one who gives us that money. 
and it's all his anyway. And it's so satisfying to see God take care of you and bless you. And, you know, you're not (laughs) doing it necessarily to just get more money, but you're being faithful and you do want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant someday and know that this thing called money, which is amoral, but it's a tool and it really reveals your heart on so many levels. God can use that to sanctify you and to grow you. And so he uses it in a lot of ways in our life. But I love just kind of ending here. I love the name of your channel, Freedom in a Budget. Because that's what a budget is. It's not constrictive. It's not harsh. It really does bring freedom. Yeah, I don't know if you want to say any thoughts on that, but people have a wrong idea of what a budget is. Yeah, and that was just my whole mission with, you know, starting the channel of so many people think that budgets are constricting, but they give you freedom. And, you know, I started this channel when I was deep in debt and I didn't have the financial freedom that I have now. So it's so cool that it did come to fruition. And, you know, when you put in the hard work and the tears. It's crazy how it all works out when you, when you put in the time and the effort. Yeah. And there's another verse. I'm going to find it here because it's really talks about that working hard wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it and just work hard. And God does call us to work hard and that he will increase our (laughs) money that way and take care of us that way too. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. This was really inspiring and helpful. And I know that some of the women listening are probably going to sit down after this and start looking at a budget and (laughs) meal planning a little bit better. But I would encourage people to go check out Kelly's resources. She has a lot of material. It's so helpful. She's done a lot of the footwork for you and making the charts and all of that make sure you go check out her channel, Freedom in a Budget. And in your website is also in the same title. Freedominabudget.com. Yep. Freedominabudget.com. Okay. All right. Thanks again, Kelly. And I look forward to hearing the stories of people who have changed their finances and their budgets after hearing this episode. Wow. That was packed with tons of really practical tips. And I can't wait for you all to start putting that into practice. If you look at the show notes for this podcast episode, there is a link for a free seven-day meal plan. There's also a link for the course that Kelly talked about on saving money on groceries. And if you use the coupon code SMILINGPODCAST, you'll get $15 off that course if you would like to enroll. So I highly encourage you to take advantage of these resources and start saving money on groceries. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.